You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years of this is Emeritus Rex. I'm Avram Kivalevich, and I'm here with Ruvain Yoshua Pupko, the rabbi himself, the uh, the king of Cote St. Luke in some ways. I, I don't know if you've been given the key to the city. I know there are going to be uh, keys to the city are going to be given out, maybe not in Montreal and Cote St. Luke, but in that wonderful metropolis of beer in the, the Midwest, Milwaukee. As we speak today, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are celebrating uh, their second NBA title since that first one over 50 years ago. Um, you remember that, uh, Rabbi Pupko, and Lou Alcindor? It uh, seems like yesterday. Yes, yes. I remember Lou Alcindor, of course, playing for UCLA. and um, I believe it's incorrect to refer to him as Lou Alcindor. I think you're supposed to call him... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's correct. Yes, yes. But we knew him as Lou Alcindor, and, and yes. uh, he, of course, is a, a Long Island boy, I think. You may remember his first game in Madison Square Garden after he changed his name. To Kareem. Yes, when Kareem first got the ball, New York fans, not known for their adherence to etiquette, uh, began chanting to mock him in his name change, F.U. Louie. <laughs> I see. Like, well... Again, uh, at this point, of course, uh, we are very familiar with, uh, you know, with, with Arabic names. And, of course, it has to do with Lou Elcinder uh, becoming Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, uh, embracing um, black, uh, becoming a black Muslim or uh, Islam in general. And I think right. that... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Muhammad Ali before him, yes. I know that he had, like, an interesting relationship with Jews, uh, Elcinder, uh, uh, Jabbar. He grew up in Long Island. He played... Uh, and with Jews and knew them, and uh, um, and I think he has written positively. He talked about how his father was one of the uh, uh, soldiers that freed one of the concentration camps. He might be, familiar. yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So you know, he's become quite a spokesman, quite eloquent. But right. now, uh, Alcindor is uh, and Jabbar that glory era of the Milwaukee Bucks, which only lasted about a year or two. Right. Uh, they've now made a splash again. After uh, a number of years of coming close, they won the NBA championship. Led by Giannis Antetokounmpo. See, I wanted to say that. But yes, Giannis. <laughs> yes. Giannis. By the way, not, one second, hold on. It's, it's Giannis. He's, Giannis, he's Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the NBA superstar who uh, at 6'11", uh, unlike Jabbar, who, you know, basically he couldn't, he couldn't play every position. He's sort of like Magic Johnson in a way, Atatakumbo. He can play almost any position. Uh, he, his ball handling skills are incredible. He's 6'11". He's very strong. Uh, and he can do almost anything. And yesterday, um, after being injured, um, he was able to score, I think, 50 points uh, to lead them. Really remarkable to lead them against the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA championship. I'm very happy for Milwaukee because, again, it is a smaller city, and for them to have that um, the schus, so to speak, to to bask in that championship. Um, I believe I saw Lenny and Squiggy in the front row cheering them on. Yes, yes, and it could be they didn't have Laverne and Shirley with them, though. No, no, it was only Lenny and Squiggy. Just Lenny and Squiggy, yes. yes. Uh, Yes, yes. We don't know what sort of beer they were drinking, but I'm sure yeah, yeah. I'm sure the beer definitely flowed wonderfully <laughs> over there. You know, and, and I think what's really great, though, 
And I think this is what, what, what I want to start talking to you about is the fact that Giannis um, is a household name now everywhere. And, I, you know, I, I think in basketball, almost more than any other sport that is followed in the United States, f- players from around the world are, 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 are welcomed, embraced, and there's not even an issue whatsoever. I mean, we, we can go with Dirk Nowitzki, um, Hakeem Olajuwon, um, uh, Vladi Divac. Uh, there's so many players who came. <laughs> Tony Kukoc <laughs> never really became a household name for the Chicago Bulls. But there was, there was at least the idea that you can integrate players from all over the world into the uh, NBA. And the idea of American jingoism and, 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 and separation and prejudice against people from other places it, in the NBA, it doesn't really exist. The, the NBA is sort of a uh, as much. If the as it, world looked more like the NBA, it would be a perfect place. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that it's, you're engaging a little bit of hyperbole, but there is something incredible about it, uh, especially, you know, a sport that I think you know we talk about basketball and as a, uh, a, a sort of a leveling the play of leveling the playing court. It's not a field, it's a court. And the whole, you know, whether it was conceived, you know, by John Naismith and others, it was definitely a sport that others have already shown was promoted by our tribe. Um, You know, the Jews. Well, it's clear because, well, the most obvious point is that uh, on a basketball court at any time, uh, you have two teams that uh, together, uh, number 10. I mean, we all know where that, that came from. And uh, you need a minion to play. So that's obviously very Jewish. <laughs> and the history, as you know, uh, and I know that you're just being flippant here, but, um, <laughs> but you know, okay, listen, we know that the, the you know, with the finger roll and the dunk that's obvious here about uh, basketball history is the Jews played a, a seminal part. part in, listen, in before, inter- before integration, as you well know, because you're a sports aficionado. And an amateur sports historian. A guru, a guru, really. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, that it was considered a Jewish sport before integration. First basketball game, as you just talked, mentioned her before we came on air. First uh, basket ever scored was scored by a Jew. Uh, the first basketball game ever played, the first NBA game, I should say, ever played was between a New York team, the Knickerbockers, and a Toronto team, weirdly enough. And the nine of the 10 players on the Knicks were uh, were Jews. The whole starting five was Jewish. It was a Jewish sport. Right. Integration kind of sidelined us. And in a desperate attempt, a pathetic, really, attempt of Jews to try to wheedle themselves back into the sports, they had to buy the teams. <laughs> that desperate attempt to have still have sports. Well, 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 hang on a second. You know, I, again, without <laughs> making it sound so aggressive, many of the of the coaches of the nascent NBA and later, of course, the Boston Celtics, they were Jewish players who had played in the 20s and 30s when the Jews were the ones who were confined to the Williamsburg and Lower East Side ghetto like areas. And they didn't have the large playing fields to play football and baseball. And basketball was a way for them to 
not right. only exert themselves and get physical exercise, but also to excel, to get college scholarships. Um, in fact, articles were written in the 1930s talking about basketball as a Jewish game. I quote here Paul Gallico, uh, an, an article in the New York Daily News. It was around the 1930s, yes, even before uh, Rupert Murdoch. The game places a premium on an alert scheming mind, flashy trickiness, artful dodging, and general smart aleckness. In other words, basketball, they almost felt, because there was a confined space, you didn't have the long area to be able to run quickly. You needed to be quick and smart. In fact, I think, uh, you know, there was a, uh, a documentary a number of years ago called First Basket, which was all about Jews involved in basketball. And they talked about that in, in that documentary, how the Jews uh, were the ones who realized that in order to win, you needed to pass the ball to the open man. You needed to move the ball around. And many people have, uh, have shown a direct line from uh, you know, Red Holtzman, who was, of course, the coach of the great New York Knicks teams, uh, 1969, 1970, 71, uh, that really uh, created this idea of teamwork. The idea of not wasn't just a Wilt Chamberlain uh, play, get the ball to Wilt and let him put into the basket or let Oscar Robertson uh, dribble his way and, and do incredible moves or Earl the Pearl Monroe. They actually had Frazier and DeBusher, uh, the former Senator Bill, Bill Bradley, you might remember, uh, Willis Reed. None of these fellows were superstars uh, in terms of their body, in terms of their talent. But what, well, maybe Frazier was, but what they were able to do was work together and that was something which they felt was, again, maybe properly so, was something the Jews had uh, developed. In fact, there was even a, a, a term called Jew ball, <laughs> where, where, you know, are you playing Jew ball? And Jew ball, that, that was, was, was the type of play that won. One could even say the greatest player of all time. I mean, Giannis and LeBron and others, they all looked to Jordan. Jordan won playing a form of Jew ball. And uh, of course, as you say, playing under a Jewish owner, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf <laughs> and Jerry Krauss, um, it's an incredible thing. I mean, it's still the domination. The same reason. Listen, basketball was always known as a poor man's sport because you didn't need a lot of equipment. You needed a ball. The hoops were put up. And it, w- it was always the urban centers that uh, generated the great players in the early part of the 20th century, that meant Jews, right? From the Lower East Side and other areas in New York and elsewhere, Jews were playing. And uh, once there's integration, obviously the urban areas, again, continue to generate the greatest players and uh, in this time in the African-American neighborhoods. But with integration, you know, Jewish role in athletics certainly diminished because uh, our size and uh, whatever it wasn't, you know, we were just we would always be outclassed, or generally be outclassed. But uh, it was a Jewish sport, for, and again, for the same reasons, it became associated with the African American community, with the kids and, playing and, in urban areas. That was a, a, a sport that needed very little investment. Yeah, and let's say another thing about it. I know that you know my my best friend in fourth grade taught me this. He said he said you know Vramo, you can be great in basketball without having another person. You know, there were there were other sports, you know, in football, you needed someone to throw you the ball or someone to catch it. Right. In basketball, you didn't even need much of a coach. All you needed to do was to stand in front of a basket, just like Michael Jordan did, you know, coming in early and just shooting the hoops. You know, it could be an outdoor uh, concrete area and you can just work on it yourself. 
another shot, another shot. Um, it's true, there's nothing like uh, a, a person in front of you guarding you, uh, but you could do it by yourself or one-on-one, <laughs> just with one other person. So yeah. it, it, it was the type of game that really didn't need as much of a, of, of a uh, I would say, a superstructure guiding it and right. in terms of uniforms. You know, I, I, there's another thing, you know, before we get to the global aspect, you know, we talk about in COVID, both of us like sports a lot, but I think we both sort of feel that with people dying and with people getting sent to the hospital and sort of sports, although in a way it's an opiate, it's a salve, in other words, but still isn't so important considering, you know, the, what we've been through. Um, and especially, I think you'll agree, um, you know, the, the, the championships of the last year in a bubble or even even uh, Tom Brady's Super Bowl championship somehow means a little bit less when there were so many uh, people sidelined with COVID and et cetera. Uh, but, but somehow when I think about basketball, uh, it seems to be almost the anti-COVID sport because there aren't any, it's not like you have a uniform uh, and some sort of like protective helmet on. You, 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 you have all these, you just have little shorts on, right? And you are running and sweating and getting close to somebody. And, and I know that when a linebacker you know, hits a running back, there's definitely a lot of physical crunch and contact. But isn't it basketball like, you know, would be the prime COVID super spreader event, right? Um, you have people breathing of each other, grinning each other's faces, sweating all over. Um, yeah. And, 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 it was, and I, again, if you remember back in March 2020, that was like, I think a, a lot of people got the COVID message when they had to cancel the NBA game that night. That's what happened. I mean, that's that was the first big wake up call that this was a serious and uh, uh, very, very uh, difficult challenge was when they started canceling the, when they so, canceled the basketball game in March. But, so so but, I think I think when we saw, although I didn't see the game live, although I checked a little bit of the, the highlights, I think seeing that is sort of like normalcy. Right. So, no, what I remember the first time I saw normal during COVID is when the NFL started. True, but even there, oh well, this guy was sidelined because of COVID. No, and the stadiums it, were empty, so it didn't look that normal. But at watching a basketball game, watching that activity, which is so pre-COVID, right. and and having it celebrated, uh, whether it was with beer or with uh, with with raisinets, whatever it is, is sort of to me uh, like a exclamation point. COVID's in the rearview mirror because you can see basketball is sort of like anyway. That's just a thought. Uh, what, 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 what do you think about the third stage? We talked about Jews being involved. We talked about African-Americans uh, being able to come right out of high school from urban centers, become superstars. And also, by the way, parenthetically, I, I don't know if we could do the, uh, a, a mathematical uh, chart about this. The amount of basketball players versus football players who give in terms of great amounts of charity back to their community. I think in basketball, you hear it about all the time. I can't say I agree with LeBron's political statements, but LeBron, look what he's done for Akron and all the places in Ohio that he was, Isaiah and all the other players. Uh, it isn't just a way to leave the ghetto and leave the inner urban city. I think many of these stars take the mantle of stardom seriously and, and create a, a, a great number of foundations uh, throughout. So there are a lot more football players in the NFL than there are basketball players in the NBA. And the NBA money, even for the guy sitting on the bench who doesn't see a lot of court time, and they, they, they do remarkably well. And they, you're right, there's a uh, 
there is an inspiring uh, amount of, uh, of charity work going on. But they do, I mean, they do fabulously well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Listen, uh, nobody is crying over the fact that they that they. But I think they have a sense of giving back, and yeah. I think that's there, and 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 that's incredible. So the other thing I think that we have to celebrate is the thing I started with today: the globalization, the fact that you know people can wear Dirk in Dallas. Is is, is Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas? I think so. You know, people are wearing people are wearing you know a uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, t-shirts sure, down in Texas, yeah, down in Texas, and and now, of course, you know, Giannis itself, the story of a Nigerian immigrant who moved to Athens, Greece, you know, so he's Nigerian and Greek at the same time. Um, I'm even happy that people aren't jumping all over, you know, this uh, calling him the Greek freak, and oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that uh, you know, uh, we haven't seen a, a woke backlash about that. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, this more basketball in terms of, uh, of, of shedding this American only mentality, um, people from oh, Europe, yeah, yeah. So, the fellow that I, I can't remember the, the, the player from China who was so beloved there for a time. Yao Ming. Um, yeah. Yao yeah. Ming. And you, you have a lot of, uh, you know, you have it in baseball to a lesser extent, but you have it in baseball. Certainly, I think people's understanding of South America in many ways was enhanced by the, you know. Right, right. Baseball, South America, Japan, and other yeah. places. But it, it, it really, again, I think. Yeah, and we're talking here the week, I think the Olympics are supposed to open. I mean, uh, sports is the universal language. <laughs> right, yes. And, and and again, it's it's, it's a softball. To I don't know if you ever saw my synchronized swimming routine in the, uh, in the 86. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yes, uh, and who was your partner on that? I didn't have a partner, and it was so, it was I did synchronized swimming you said by yourself. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, right. Well, I, I seem to remember what the music was. Wasn't it um, all by myself? Wasn't it right? Yes, I think it was. Yeah. Lonely man, what is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yes, yeah, all by myself. Then I would do synchronized yeah. swimming. Right. Then you did that little pirouette. Yeah, right. that was, no one, no one, There was, was no wonderful. competition, but neither was there a medal. Yeah. But I, I was alone. I did synchronized swimming, a solo routine in synchronized swimming. That's right. And I think you also went on to uh, do some Speedo ads on that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> those, those would definitely be a collector's item somewhere. <laughs> Why is synchronized swimming is considered? Anyway, that's another issue. <laughs> it's beautiful. What are you talking about? It's it's beautiful. Um, so... <laughs> Now, as we talk about, you know, again, obviously sports, you know, we could talk about the, the Bittlesman and other things. I've talked about it uh, with other uh, people on, on this platform. It's a very easy subject to get into. Um, but, but let's talk about the Israelis and, and, and their involvement in basketball. I think oh, some is- these two Orthodox kids that just got drafted to, the, to baseball. Steinmetz uh, and uh, what's the other guy's name? I forget. Uh, but there are two Orthodox kids. Right, who, the seventy-seventh uh, pick. I saw the Jewish papers. <laughs> the yeah, Jewish yeah. papers in New York took a full-page ad out, being very yeah. happy about it. I, you know, again, I want to keep it basketball focused. I know that you'd like to throw in every single sport under the sun, inclu- oh. including Canada's favorite curling. You've got to you got to talk about curling in Canada. I'm you sure. Know, that, in you know, you know, curling is a very big sport in Williamsburg. Uh, it's a huge sport. Yes, the payas. I get it. Payas. I, yes. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes. I know the way your punny brain <laughs> thinks. Gekreiselte. Gekreiselte. It's a huge sport. It's See, if that was a, there'll be a lot more Jews winning Olympic gold if that was the consider if, if payas curling was in fact accepted as a Olympics event. Yes. 
Right. Then you can imagine you can imagine the drug scandals in there. <laughs> you put sugar in there. That's not natural, girls. We have tested. We've made a DNA test of your hair strands. <laughs> yeah. So uh, curling. Yes. Yeah. So uh, where were we? We're talking about Jews, yeah, the Israelis and basketball. Right. So, you know, there are some Israeli players. What's his name? Just retired. Omar Kaspi. Omar Kaspi. Omar Kaspi. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple. Yeah. There's Israelis around in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Right, right, the Portland Trailblazers. Again, Israelis love. Of basketball that's right really and, and you're and, and you remember when we used to get and now let's go back to near Stroll, which is always our favorite subject right was, at least mine anyway it's my favorite nightmarish subject right <laughs> <laughs> for the the stuff of nightmares is what you're able to create the best entertainment from um right. you know just ask yeah basketball was played quite intensely in our days in high school i never played i played football I do not play basketball. I mean, maybe I picked up you, the ball. Yeah, okay. But I will I tell was you, not known for my athletic prowess in high school. Uh, yes, no, no, no. You were, but as I, we talked about what we used to do. We were the, if you remember, we talked about the games that we played. But uh, again, I'll talk about basketball in a second. But the Israeli players who came to Nair Yisrael, the guys who came from Israel, right. who, who knew about basketball, uh, Rafflinger's son, for example, who is now right. somewhere, uh, he loved basketball, Rebel Yosef. And m- many Israelis did. But they played such an aggressive way. Remember? Elbows I remember, I remember Svi Friedlander also. There was a kid in my share, Svi Friedlander. Israeli? He was Israeli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Israelis played with elbows. I'll tell you a funny story about Svi Friedlander. Okay. I forget what it was. He wanted a delay on a test or what. An essay was due, and he told the teacher, if you don't give me the, the break, an extra day, whatever it was, I want to jump out the window. Teacher said no. He actually jumped out the second story window <laughs> and did a controlled roll. It was, it was perfectly fine. But the teacher, because we were only on the second floor, but I mean it was still the second floor. But the teacher completely freaked out. I forget who it was, and uh, and and he, he ran to the window, looked out, and his feet was already long gone. I mean he had just <laughs> jumped out the window and ran. I love I. We could have done that continuously there were so many moments when i thought we just wanted to jump out the window there or, or, or throw the teachers out the window that might have been something but again i i think we talk about israelis i think israelis have learned uh how to how to really become excellent the basketball i think the maccabia team is uh uh has has done great and also didn't they have they had a number of gay rate sedek right Right, right. That's true. Right. The black players who went over. Right, right. Uh, again, uh, the um, Stottlemyre, Stottlemyre, who used to play for Toronto, oh, uh, yeah. was was Maguire, and I think it calls him. I think, uh, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I know Amari. I know Amari Stoudemire, who I think was Maguire. Yeah, uh, yes, in, and I think his name is Yoshofat now. Oh, really. Yeah, Yehoshaphat. Yehoshaphat, Yehoshaphat of the Navi was not a basketball player. I think we should clarify that before going forward. We're not sure. The Navi doesn't tell us everything. but I, don't, I think we would know. I mean, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But he, a melech he definitely was. Right. And therefore, um, and of course, there is uh, the, the famous uh, uh, exclam- exclamation that you hear from the old time movies, jumping Jehoshaphat. So, right. I think, <laughs> so, I, so I think Yehoshaphat actually fits in for Amari, who obviously... Uh, but I have to say, I personally was very good at the Nintendo NBA Jam video game. I used to uh-huh. play with my kids many years ago. Uh-huh. So you had that dexterity of mind and fingers. Right. Yeah. And the smart aleckness, I believe you referenced earlier. That's always been there, right? Yeah, that's right. smart aleckness has always helped. We should encourage more anti-Semites to accuse us of being smart alex. I think it would add 
some levity to an otherwise ugly phenomenon. Yeah, well, I think as uh, the, as you pointed out to me on a conversation we had a long time ago, that the term smart aleck is sort of like become out of disuse. We don't, we don't the teachers like and, and would call you smart aleck, you. And right. I, think, I think you were wondering where that actually came from, right? I think right, we should find out the etymology of it, yes. Yes, yes, we could just stop this and, and, and go on Google. But uh, I wonder if it's specifically connected to Jews. You know, Alec is a, uh, you know, you know, you know, Alec or Alex, it might be connected to that. I mean, Um, I think it would be interesting, like a Farrakhan, instead of talking about, you know, in addition, I should say, to talking about Judaism being a gutter religion, he would say, hey, they're a bunch of smart Alecs. Yes, that, that would be, you know, it would add, it would add another element to the, to the tirade. Something tells me, I know that, uh, you know, one of my other great loves besides uh, knowing about sports, as you say, I'm the guru, is also knowing about a classic animation. And yes. I think, yes, and I think, you know, you know, Bugs Bunny, who was Warner Brothers' superstar of animation, and still, I still, again, I think he's out, speaking about basketball, I think he's out this week with a new Oh, new Space movie. Jam 3, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called, the new legacy or whatever. Okay, and yeah. right, instead of playing with Jordan, he's playing with LeBron. Uh Bugs. And uh, Bugs hasn't Bugs hasn't aged at all. It's incredible, right? Bugs is uh, ageless and timeless. Ageless and timeless. However, I think what made Bugs Bugs uh, is other than, you know, his the animators was the great voice work of the in, inimitable, the incredible talent of Mel Blanc, another yes. great Jew who was the man of a thousand voices, who did Bugs and Porky and uh, um, Foghorn Leghorn, I think, as well. Uh, Yosemite Sam. I mean, I guess, I guess if you hear them, you could hear it's the same voice. But he did Bugs, and uh, he really gave that idea of a Jewish handler. That's really yeah. what Bugs was. Bugs was, but it, but with with a simcha. You know, right. he was yes, he was a joyful Jew. Yes, as as much as Bugs was able to outsmart everyone, he just was trying to live. It's true, you know. Even though you know uh, Elmer got the the rifle exploding in his face, but basically Bugs is just trying to live. You know, he's and have a good time while while that's going on. So, you know, <laughs> I would say Bugs, that that basketball uh, hero now in Space Jam, is also an example of really a great Jewish Jewish archetype. That smart Alec. Smart Alec. Yes. yes, being able. Right. I would say Daffy is the Schlemiel, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. You know, Daffy sort of wants it, everything. You know, I was watching Jeopardy the other night. It was about speaking um, about yeah, speaking about, about foreign language expressions. It's funny. So they said a Yiddish word for somebody who's clumsy was the was the answer, and the question is klutz. It's supposed to be what's a klutz? Yes. The guy that answered said what's a shlemiel, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, how would <laughs> right? Uh, these Yiddish words have definitely entered into our language, and people yeah. need to know there's shlemiel shlemazel, but a klutz is specifically a clumsy, uh, yes. a clumsy person. Right? You know, Gerald Ford wasn't a shlemiel; he was a klutz. He was a klutz. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, you know, if we talk about uh, shlemiels and shlemazels, you know, I think yeah, that we're would... back where we started with Lenny and Squiggy. Yes, yes, these two, <laughs> right? Not necessarily Jews, but uh, definitely uh, a, a, an archetype of that. Okay, well, let's uh, wish everybody a, a wonderful tuba of, you know, maybe go catch a uh, a basketball game somewhere. I'm sure they're playing somewhere, uh, some night game or something uh, on the on the courts, on the concrete. Um, and remember, you know how our contributions to it. Take care, my friend. Be well. Be well. We'll see you. Bye-bye.
<laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.